0: Hi, I'm Erica Keswin. Welcome to Left to Our Own Devices, a show that explores how to bring your human to work and to life. Because Left to Our Own Devices, we're not connecting. Today my guest is Susan Justice. Susan is a talent development rock star. Driven by a passion to help others succeed, Susan draws on more than 15 years of experience in the field to help professionals at all levels reach their goals. She currently is the Vice President of Talent Development for Betterment in New York City, where she helps team members find clarity, confidence, and purpose. Susan brings to Betterment a proven success record for building talent development departments from the ground up, which is exactly what she's done in her current role. Throughout her career, Susan has helped build learning cultures within several industries, including financial services, business consulting, advertising, fintech, and insurance, And in addition to her work with Betterment, Susan volunteers with the Lean In program at Columbia University and first round, first track as a career mentor. Susan holds an MS in HR management from the New School University, a life coaching certification from the Certified Life Coaching Institute, and a career coaching certification from New York University. Hi, Susan. So great to see you and thank you for being on the show.
1: Absolutely. Happy to be here. Happy to be
0: here. On this beautiful, sunny day in in New York City. Maybe next time we we should plan to do this face-to-face.
1: Yes, that would be awesome.
0: (laughs) So this uh, season on Left to Our Own Devices, as you know, is about how to lead in the hybrid revolution. And we are recording this in May of 2021, as many organizations have announced that they're trying to return to the office. I don't like to say return to work because people have been working throughout and actually many people have been working more. But would love to just ask you a question, a general question to start off, which is what has surprised you the most over the last year and a half?
1: I would say what surprised me the most would be just how Our employees have just shown up through, I mean, it's been a tough year for all of us. Burnout is definitely a theme for many in terms of work-life balance, but the, the passion towards the work we do at Betterment has been, people have continued to thrive towards it and really just trying to get us to a place that the organization is continuing to develop the best products we can create we're continuously evolving and iterating efficiency is one of our core values so we're continuously just trying to find ways to bring the best products forward for our customers as they think about their long-term financial planning
0: sounds great and what about you uh, you know personally you have a long time background in in talent development and really thinking about how best to grow people in the organization if you were to contribute a chapter on how to lead during these turbulent times you know what do you think you personally in your role have done really well during these times
1: i've found ways to build connection with my team in a different way like i've really tried to deepen the connection that i have by getting to the core of who they are as individuals not just about the work i think previously leaders, and not that this is how I led before, but we're moving so quickly in regards to our um, priorities and, the, and our OKRs and the things that we're, try- we're focused on for the year and for the quarter, et cetera, that sometimes we forget who our people are. So I have to say this past year, one of the ways I've shifted is really getting to know my team first in terms of what's important to them at this moment, like how can I support them? Because the better they are in terms of how they're doing, the best they can bring, the best work they can bring into the organization and what they bring to the team. So I re- like really tried to be intentional on being a people first leader even further more this year than I've ever before.
0: Great. Can you share some tips and tricks on how you did that, whether it was how you were leading meetings? Because I think some people will say to me, I try it and I get the eye roll. and But I have found and seen through through a lot of people I've worked with and spoken to on the podcast that if you can get that sweet spot in terms of doing it in a way that connects people, you know, with your values and the culture, they really do come alive.
1: Certainly. So, I have a team of two, two fabulous women, great diverse team, and we meet weekly. And the first, literally the first topic on the agenda is what are they grateful for or what are they most proud of? And the reason I choose those two is because I want to get to the core of what matters to them today, like what what are, what's bringing them gratitude at this moment? And the question around what are they most proud of is really about driving more of the self-advocacy idea like what, what where do you feel like you brought your most value this week? and what are you most proud of that I may not be aware of or our other team member may not be aware of? So we every week we make sure that we cover that topic as our first focus and then we dive into the actual work.
0: Wow oh, have, have others in, in the betterment organization, adopted this kind of people-first approach in your role? Is that something that that you're responsible for, that you focus on in taking your best practices and spreading them out throughout the organization?
1: Certainly, we encourage leaders to to be thinking about what empathy looks like in the workplace, what psychological safety looks like in the workplace, what emotional intelligence looks like in the workplace through de- various educational efforts that we we encourage them to participate in. And they make it their own, right? It's not necessarily having to do exactly what I'm doing, but how can you really think about your team and make sure that they know that you care about them? How can you bring love and care and relationship into the workplace? Because at the core of who we are at Betterment, honestly, relationships are important. We have a core value that speaks to the relationship, speaks to connection. We drove that forward heavily in person, right? So we had to transition ways to make that work virtually through, whether it's a leader showing up for their team and making sure that they're bringing them forward and and putting them first, or whether it be various team activities that we may participate in. We've done like cooking classes. We've done like painting classes, wine classes. We try to be really creative on continuously to bring, continuously bringing that culture of connection, even in this virtual space on a team level, as well as on company wide level. And all of this is all, in partnership with the entire employee population, because we look to them to understand what matters to them also. Like burnout, as I mentioned earlier, is a thing for organizations today. So we don't want to add another Zoom meeting to the calendar, right? Let's work together on finding that right sweet spot on how we can remain connected as employees within the organization and build connection.
0: Great. Yeah. I saw that your the value you were referring to is build relationships beyond the task. and as you and I run an event together recently, I have this obsession with employee values, company values, and how you get the values off the walls and into the halls. And for those listening who don't know, I actually interviewed John Stein, who's the founder and CEO or former CEO of Betterment when I wrote Bring Your Human to Work. And if you're not familiar with John, He was a dedicated Boy Scout and rose to that level of Eagle Scout, which is really hard to do. And it showed him that the the power of being part of a group. And I remember he, you know, how people working together as a team can really move mountains. And I I was really moved by my interview with him and the betterment way, which you talk about on your website, this living, breathing document. Given that you have such a strong organizational culture, how are you thinking about? this return to office or have you made any plans about how this might work and how will it work and be consistent with those values, which at Betterment, they're real. They're not just these platitudes that sit you know, on the desk.
1: Sure. So we've recently started to flesh out our plan to return to work. We'll be kicking off that process in September. So folks will have the opportunity to come in two to three days a week or apply for a fully remote role. Throughout the summer, we are offering various summer activities for those who actually want to be in the office, which we've actually seen a turnaround. And ever since the vaccine has become um, available to all, we have found that even 50 people are in the office at in a day, like more, most recently, which is amazing. So it just shows how excited people are to actually transition back. Maybe not necessarily five days, but this is the idea of being in person with the team and connecting again, which goes back to who we are as an organization. I People are really excited about. So in the fall, we'll start to introduce the return back to work. People will have the option to identify what works best for themselves and we'll continue to engage various team activities again through various surveys and understanding what people do want to participate in we do have a full series of summer events coming up we have a summer anniversary party which we've been doing since the or- the company started over 10 years ago and we're continuing that in person in about a week or so so that's really people are very excited about that we have various rituals and events that we offer annually that we will continue to find a way to find the balance of how can we engage those who are remote as well as those who are in person, whether it be a virtual happy hour or whether it be meeting in person for those who are comfortable doing so.
0: Well, it'll be interesting to see how the Rubik's Cube, all the different moving pieces Come together. My sense is that whatever we start out with may not be, or probably won't be, what we end up with. That we really have to see how it works. Because, I mean, I do believe that certain things are done more effectively, and and, you know, you have more innovation when you're face to face. Are you having those kinds of conversations? What should be done at home? What should be done in the office?
1: Those conversations have started. We do have folks internal within the people team that are going to start like these hybrid team sessions in the summer, just to get people comfortable with what it looks like to be in the office and those who may be virtual or not based in New York, and just to get them comfortable with the idea of what does it look like to have a hybrid team in place? What best practices do we need to put in place? Because obviously you have to start all over again and really figuring out how do we find the balance to make our team most effective in this new way of working? So there'll be a bunch of testing grounds around this summer just to get people to a good place by the fall when we fully reopen.
0: And that actually, that's exactly where I was going. I mean, you're the head of talent development. You focus a lot on leadership development. If you would highlight a couple of skills that leaders You really need to lead through this turbulent time or that leaders need to effectively manage when they have some people in the office and some people at home. You know, what would you say are those top two or three skills that you anticipate training for to make sure that your leaders have?
1: Sure. Psychological safety is honestly our number one top focus this year, but mainly that sits under our uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging curriculum, but mm-hmm. it kind of spears towards all areas of what leadership development is in this new way of leading. So, how can you lead your team in the most inclusive manner? How can you make them feel safe? Because at the end of the day, that builds trust. Trust is a really important behavior to demonstrate for your team so they feel like they belong within your team, within the organization. Another area is we'll continue to build upon emotional intelligence. We've been teaching that for years, but I think this is a real-time opportunity to reinforce what that means in terms of how can you be the most empathetic leader you can be? Mm-hmm. How can you show that you care for your team members? How can you make sure that you're imp- like just showing up for your, me- your team members in ways that you haven't before? So reinforcing the message around what EQ means. And the other area I would say is it's more focused on I don't want to necessarily call this a skill, but more, more so along pursuit of meaningful work. So how can you give your team members the work that really makes them thrive and they're excited about that they feel like they're connected to the organization, even if they're virtual, like being really transparent about you're doing this project because this is the ultimate goal that we're looking to solve for. And this is the part you play in that ultimate goal that we're looking to solve for. And we found that based on research, honestly, is that people really thrive even in this virtual life in terms of how we're working today is knowing how how do they remain connected to the organization and how is the work that they're actually doing in this moment bring value to the organization as a whole. And so really encouraging leaders to be transparent about that and aligning to whether it obviously organizational goals, but to the development goals of those that they work with is another area of focus for us.
0: That's great. So it sounds like you've identified these skills and, and these will be built into your professional development training for your leaders?
1: Yeah, so we've actually created expectations of what that looks like. So expectations lean towards the skill development offerings that we run. For example, for our diversity, equity, and inclusion curriculum, we have a list of expectations for ICs, to middle managers, to senior leaders, and so that they understand that this is what we're looking for from you in terms of behavior and action. And then here's your curriculum to participate in to build Mm -hmm. those skill sets. And then here's a space to actually be in a group setting to talk about how are you applying those skill sets, what challenges are you experiencing? What wins are you experiencing and creating that space for again, connectivity and also sharing best practice around what's working and what's not working?
0: Great. I asked you to clarify only because I think it's great when listeners can really you have a roadmap and have identified these skills and are putting in a plan. and i I really do believe, especially now that we need to be intentional about how to give leaders the skills to be successful in these times. And, you know, some are similar than before, but as you said, we had this before, but it has taken on totally new meaning and it's even more important than you're doubling down on certain things.
1: And we've also found that defining the behavior and what it looks like in action is so critical to anything we do around development at Betterment, because if people don't understand what does that behavior even look like in action? How are they even going to be interested? Like, why would they even be interested in participating in the training? And, and when it, if the expectation isn't aligned to the actual training and and purpose of their role, so we're trying to be even more and more intentional about communicating that across the board with everything that we offer mm-hmm. around education. I,
0: and I think it's so smart, and you are right on target. You know, the third point you made about. You know, you're training leaders to help them help their people create meaningful work because we know that what people want today at work is they want to feel connected to purpose. That's right. And so I, you guys are really living living it right now. Another, when I've studied what you're doing at Betterman and again from Bring Your Human to Work and, and currently, I've been really impressed by your approach to bringing coaching into the organization. And would love for you to talk about this, because in many organizations, you think, oh, the executive coaches are for the top, you know, Hmm. just the senior people. But it seems like you've provided coaching, I don't know if it's at all levels or many more levels. So would love to hear the details on that and how you came to that decision.
1: Sure. So first of all, coaching at the core of who I am is one of my biggest passions, and I've seen it work in me as a professional. And I've also seen it work in my peer space and my professional space outside of the organization. So over the years, I've just generally loved the idea of what coaching is because it meets individual where they're at. And you work towards ultimately the future and what you're looking to, to solve for what your goals may be going forward. So at Betterment, when I joined, I always had a goal of somehow bringing coaching into the organization. But one of the ways that we... We test out initiatives is through piloting. So we piloted career coaching days. Career coaching days were like we would have like maybe 20 slots. With different coaches. And then people would get an opportunity to sign up for 45 minute sessions with a coach just to talk about something that they're looking to work towards or a goal that they have in place or something that an area that they're looking to re- remove a roadblock, so to speak. So we did that actually for a couple of years and we consistently found that people were finding it extremely valuable in, in regards to having that personal space and time to work on their individual goals and also gave them a space to actually have someone else to talk to in regards to their goals outside of their manager. So we tested that out for a couple of years. And then after some time, we realized that people were valuing it, whether it could be the most junior professional as well as a middle manager or new manager, of course, senior leaders. So we decided to create a company-wide effort and we call it our one-on-one coaching program for all employees where if you are below um, director level, you get three sessions per year. If you're above director level and above, you get six sessions per year and you get to work with the coach based on whatever the specialization and focus is. I identify coaches to work with each one of our employees and those focus areas can range from I am looking to get promoted and I'm trying to have the conversation with my manager to how do I self-advocate for um, myself in meetings? How do I get my voice heard? Or I am having a hard time managing a team member and I'm not sure how to have this hard conversation with my team member. So there's so many different conversation mm-hmm. topics of focus that people come up with. And working with a coach to solve for that has really made a difference for our employees. And it's like that objective voice that they have that they can lean towards. And it's a great resource. It's been beneficial. We continue to see survey to make sure that we are making iterations where it makes sense to ensure the program is as impactful as it has been over time.
0: Yeah. Can you give us an idea of the utilization rate? I mean, what percentage of the people in the organizations take advantage of a least a session?
1: Each quarter we open up in, the, so we have three actually, three to five different coaches. And depending on the focus area, we generally have, I would say, at least 25% of the employee base applies or not, I shouldn't even say applies, requests coaching per quarter. But we also align coaching to our programming too. So We recently developed a 360 leadership program internally where all of our senior leaders have an opportunity to work with the coach on their individualized development because we found that our senior leader space, they all have different levels of experience in terms of the leadership skill set. So we thought that after trying out various workshop settings and, and, and solutions, we realized that A 360 program would really allow for us to meet them where they're at so that they can actually work on whatever leadership skills that they need to develop at this current time and going forward. And so we use coaching in that space as well. So there's alignment to programming and there's also just individualized opportunities for those who want to get coaching throughout the year.
0: Let me ask this. Some people, when I talk about coaching and, and making it more widely available, the pushback I get is we can't afford that. That's so expensive. Can you share your thoughts on the ROI? You have to pick and choose what kinds of organizational benefits you have. And what have you seen in terms of the return on that investment?
1: I would say more accountability in individuals. When I joined Betterment, I found that one of the issues that, at least that kept on coming up, was that individuals really depended on their managers to solve all their problems. So I have seen that the coaching program really increases and develops the idea of what a solution-oriented mindset is. What a problem-solving mindset is, and accountability around whatever the focus may be, and and not depending on others to handle it for you. So, when I think of where the value add comes in terms of that, is those areas, and those are skill sets that we just need across the board. If we can individually build that skill set through coaching, that would support all areas of the business and how people work.
0: I think it's smart. I mean, I've seen data, and I'm sure you've seen it as well. When we think about especially Gen Z, they want to grow on the job up, down, and sideways. That having those opportunities for many people, they cite as being even more important than compensation. You want to feel that they're well-paid, but you want to feel like you're growing. I, for one, am, am am a Big fan, as I said in the beginning, of bringing in coaching. So you'll have to keep mm-hmm. us posted on that. And my gut tells me that going into this return to office and with all these unknowns, whatever percentage of people have been requesting it, my guess is it's probably going to skyrocket. So you'll have to you'll have to let us know how it goes. Definitely,
1: definitely will. It's also been great outside of the individual coaching. There's also group coaching, which also drives towards the whole connectivity piece, but allows people to have a space to share ideas and mm-hmm. uh, work on problem solving together. So we've also added that as part of our efforts more recently in our diversity, equity, inclusion space, as well as our managers, our, our new managers, we give them a yeah. space to really work together on what they're experiencing as new managers, especially in this virtual space of leading and what that looks like for them and how they can continue to evolve and grow as leaders over time.
0: Right. I love that. You're getting the double, more than one bang for the buck in that. Yeah. They're focusing on themselves, but also connecting and coaching each other and, and deepening those relationships. So how does the group coaching work? How many people do it together?
1: So we only do up to about six or seven people, Mm -hmm. and then it's led by one coach to drive drive that conversation forward. And
0: is it, do you sign up for like a series? Is it over a 12-week period? Because I would think you'd want to have a cohort and keep that group together.
1: Yeah. So it's either a cohort through our people manager program, our new manager program, or it's a cohort through our ERSGs, employee resource groups. So, but we have strategy, the word strategy within ours. Oh, so, People are remembering that we need to be strategic about our efforts and what we're driving towards in this space. So in, in that area, we have a coach that leads the presidents and the vice presidents of those groups and helping them you know, build community, work towards their programming, and they're making sure that they're aligned to their strategic goals across all efforts that they're doing in the organization.
0: Wow. I love that. I love that. So I want to turn to a question that's become sort of a signature question on the podcast, totally changing lanes for the moment. And it's more of a personal question, which which is, you know, as Susan, what would you say you do in your life, that makes you feel most like you could have to do with work, not work. It could be anything.
1: Most like me photography. I love to explore the art space. So I'm very big on galleries, the beauty of New York city, to be honest, most recently I took photos of the tulips that we've been seeing and just seeing New York city come alive has been so refreshing after the year we've just had. So exploring just different arts and beauty across New York. And even when I travel as well, I try to photograph when I travel as well. So that's one of my my key hobbies that really make me feel like myself.
0: And it sounds like it's something that you could continue to do even when we were locked down. <laughs> Listen,
1: I wasn't as inspired then, but yes.
0: <laughs> right, you go out, get a little air. and yeah. And, um, yeah. Oh my gosh, crazy times. The tulips, and the flowers in New York City have been amazing so this
1: beautiful. year. So beautiful, Yeah. yeah
0: so great all right we're gonna wrap by i'm just gonna ask you a few rapid fire questions but i've really learned so so much listening to you today i feel like i could go on for another two hours you know we've had a lot of time at home any anything you can share about any great books you've read or anything you've been watching netflix hulu any you know or other
1: sure i've been more into the podcast space to be honest it allows for me to just stay up to speed on just all that is going on but most recently my podcast has been the better human podcast it's I don't know if you've heard of it but it focuses on self-development personal development in all areas of life whether it's family whether it's work whether it's mindset psychological thought process mental health etc it covers everything you can think of and I just go in there and whatever inspires me, I listen to. A book that I recently revisited is Bren Brown, Dare to Lead, because I I love that book so much. I just think it it helped me a ton over my transition into becoming a leader in the fintech space, to be honest, because I've worked in large organizations for so many years. And I found that the culture is just very different. And Mm -hmm. that book really allowed for me to remove my armor as a leader and really bring my authentic self into the workplace, which I didn't necessarily feel as comfortable doing. So when I worked in corporate America.
0: I love that. And last but not least, now that the world is opening up and and we're vaccinated. What is something that you're looking forward to doing that you haven't been able to do?
1: Travel. So I'm going back to my home country this weekend, actually. I'm going to Kenya, Nairobi for two weeks. Yes. So I'm really excited about getting on the plane and seeing family because I haven't been able to see them for over, um, actually now it's been almost two years. That's what I'm looking most forward to.
0: Oh my gosh. We'll have an amazing trip. I'm so glad we got to talk to you before you were gone for a while. I really appreciate it. And, you know, when you get back, let's go for a walk in New York City and see the tulips.
1: Sounds beautiful.
0: All right. Thank you, Susan. Thank you for tuning in to Left to Our Own Devices. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. If you want to receive my monthly-ish update on all things human at work, or just want to say hello, email me at erica at ericakeswin.com. Stay safe, stay connected, and I'll see you soon.